It, um, I actually, I, I pastored uh, two churches over, the, over uh, 27 years. I pastored in one church eight and a half years and the last church for uh, 18 and a half years. And uh, I um, uh, ended my assignment or got into my assignment as pastor of the church in Wofford Heights in 2010, uh, January, about the, the January 10th was my last Sunday uh, preaching there. And um, so it's, it's been about um, six years uh, since I've uh, pastored a church um, and uh, been preaching on a weekly basis. And to my estimation, I have stored up about 900 sermons uh, in that six years that I'm going to try to put into uh, right now. So... Uh, you might want to put on your seatbelts, fasten up, and uh, we're going to take off and try to get through this, uh, what I believe God has for me to share with you this morning. My first ambition in life was to be a hobo. Uh, I wanted to be a hobo really bad. I grew up by the railroad tracks, loved watching hobos. Sometimes I get in conversations with them, go, go to hobo camp and watch them, listen to them tell stories as they sat around a campfire, and they, they intrigued me. I, that, that idea of putting all my belongings in a little sack on a stick and hopping on trains and going wherever and just not having any place as my home, just kind of passing through, really appealed to me. And even today, there's, appeal, there, there's an appeal in my life about that because I really do see this is not my home. I'm passing through. Uh, my home is in heaven, and I'm just a visitor going through here. And along the way, I'm trying to follow God's plan in my life. I went from uh, wanting to be a hobo to wanting to be a professional baseball player, and that stuck with me through uh, high school, and, and then towards the end of my high school uh, career, I decided I wanted to be a missionary and made plans to be a missionary. Uh, I had bought a passport, made arrangements to go overseas to spend 14 months so with youth with a mission to do uh, missionary work over there and was so excited about it, sold my car. Uh, got everything ready to go, and the the week before I was going to be leaving, uh, God showed me that He was He had other plans for me, and He messed my plans all up. Uh, the, I I ended up without a car, without a job, without school to go to because I had put all my time towards that, and uh, He kind of messed that up for me, and I didn't go off to be a missionary. And after about a year of trying to figure out what I was supposed to do next, I decided, well, if I'm not going to be a missionary, I'll be a pastor. And so I packed up and, and moved and went to Bible college. Spent about a year and a half at uh, Bible college, and uh, it became real clear to me that uh, although I believe God wanted me to be a pastor, that he wanted me to go back to Fresno, where I had lived before and, and continued my education at Cal State, Bakers, uh, Cal State University, Fresno. And uh, so kind of messed my plans up again. I didn't go through Bible college the full four years and, and um, to become a pastor. I ended up working at UPS uh, and got married. And um, there's a picture I think that we have up. Uh, this is uh, right after, uh, uh, well, I got married, worked at UPS for six years, and then uh, got our first assignment to pastor a church in Hanford, California. And that's my wife and I and my oldest daughter, uh, one of our first Sundays there. And it was uh, an exciting thing because 
at that point, the age of 27, I was finally getting to do what I believe God had called me to do as the pastor a church. And uh, although I did want to be a hobo and I did want to be a professional baseball player and I did want to be a missionary, you know, now I'm getting to do something. Okay, maybe I got it right this time. And uh, it was an interesting experience. Um, after the first, uh, it was supposed to be a church of about 50 people attending. Well, after the first couple Sundays, which I didn't really pay attention, but uh, you know, my family and friends from Fresno, because about a one-hour drive to the church, would come and you just kind of help me get started off. And then the Sunday that they decided to get back into their own churches, I was with my church. And that particular Sunday morning, it was the three of us. Uh, and that was my Sunday morning. And it's like I remember sitting there thinking, what is this, God? Is this some kind of cruel trick, you know, that I've wanted to be a pastor, finally give it to me, and this is, this is it? God spoke a very clear lesson to me at that point. He said, you, no, you're, you're the pastor, and right now this is who you start with, your wife and your daughter. You begin to pastor them. And so that Sunday I preached a sermon. We sang some songs and, and continued on. And anyway, I was there at Hanford for eight and a half years and um, ended up after eight and a half years. I thought I would spend my life there, uh, but God called us, messed up our plans again, said, I'm taking you to Wofford Heights. We went to Wofford Heights, uh, started pastoring alongside uh, Jerry and Sandy Ruff, who are the, pa- the for- founding pastors of this church had a wonderful, uh, uh, I think it was four years, three years uh, with them, pastoring alongside them, and then God called them off, and we continued on being senior pastors at that church. Pastored there for 18 and a half years, and uh, 33 years from when I first started pastoring, here's a picture of my family a few months ago. Uh, lots of changes. Some of them I sure, certainly didn't plan. Uh, I look a little different, a little bit older. Um, and uh, and now uh, have a position, because it's been six years since I've been pastoring a church, and I have a position in the public schools at Kernville Union School District as the director of culture. And then I also am a principal of a community day school, which is a school for children that are, have troubles uh, behaviorally and socially being in the classroom. And it is the closest thing to being a pastor in the education system. Uh, the things that are going on in the education system, they recognize a tremendous need for how to develop a positive culture. And uh, God has crafted me, has molded and shaped me for this very assignment that I have uh, right now in the Kernville Union School District. And so I am uh, pastoring in disguise, in, in the disguise of a director of culture, and I get paid by the government. And uh, you know, it's interesting how God works things out. But uh, I, you know, my life has not worked out the way that I thought it would. Lots of changes in my life. Lots of plans that I made ended up being different and uh, turning out different. And nobody's life uh, has really, I don't, I don't think I've ever met anybody that says my life turned out exactly how I planned it. I plan to be doing this and doing this, and that's exactly how it turned out. Certainly, we've been learning over this path, past month, as uh, Pastor Tom has been teaching us, the Christmas story that Mary and Joseph, they certainly had their plans changed. You know, they planned on just ha- getting married and having a kind of normal life, and uh, God stepped into that and changed their plans big time. God messed up the plans of King Herod. You know, he 
wanted to rule in a certain way, and all of a sudden here comes a king of the Jews that's going to be born, and it really messed his plans up. And uh, the religious leaders of that day thought that they were, uh, they'd been praying for a king to come. They thought the king was going to come that was going to help them overthrow the Roman Empire, and Jesus was talking about forgiving and praying for those who persecute you and uh, loving your enemies. And they're thinking, what is this? We're supposed to t- overtake the, the Roman Empire. The innkeeper, uh, certainly his plans were changed. He didn't expect the kind of crowd he had on uh, this night, and they had to turn uh, Joseph and Mary to the stable, couldn't put up a room for him. And even the she- shepherds, as they probably expecting to have a quiet night out on the uh, fields looking up at the stars, and they, they got summoned to go to Bethlehem. God has a way of changing our plans. And I, I suspect that every person in here, if you th- look over your life, you would say, yeah, God changed my plans here, changed my plan, plans here. And some of them you could say, here's how I, he changed it, he changed it to this. Some of you might be at a place, he's changed my plans, and I'm not sure what's going to happen now. I don't know what where you find your place right yourself at right now, but um, I would say that if I said, "Has God changed your plans?" What would you say? Yeah, He's changed their plans. Uh, I want to be really clear here. Everything that happens to you in your life is not God's will. A lot of the problems we have in our lives, we bring on ourselves. We make dumb decisions, we make stupid mistakes, we say things, and God didn't have anything to do with that at all. Sometimes other people cause problems in our life. Because we live in a broken planet, nobody's perfect, we've all sinned, every single one of us make mistakes. And what that means is we hurt. We hurt each other. You hurt people, and sometimes you do it intentionally. Sometimes you do it unintentionally. Sometimes people hurt you. Sometimes they do it intentionally, and sometimes they do it unintentionally. Not everything that happens in the world is God's will. One of the things I deal with on a day-by-day basis is working with these children that they come and they, they have they live in situations that was not their choosing, it was not their fault, but they are facing horrible things in their life. And that's not what God intended for them. Rape is not God's will. Molestation Abuse is not God's will. Cancer, Alzheimer's, and all the evil things that we find on this planet, prejudice against races, is not God's will. That's why the Scripture uh, encourages us to pray that Thy will be done on earth, where? As it is in heaven. Because there's a lot of times on earth, God's will's not being done. We're to pray, God, your will in heaven be done right here in my life on earth. Often, 
we choose to go in ways that are not God's ways. Isaiah chapter 55 says that, you know, that your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. We often go the opposite of what God's intentions are. Would you pause with me a moment to to pray? Father God, as we open your word today, Lord, I pray that you make it alive and active to each and every one of us. Lord, you say your word is alive. You say your word is living. It's active. It's able to to discern between our, our thoughts and our motives. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to each and every person your living word that would that would be relevant to their life right where they are right now. You have the ability, you have the power to do that, and we depend on you this morning as the word is being presented for you to do that in our lives, we pray. Do you agree with that prayer? Say amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, uh, 20, 21, I believe, is that uh, up there? Nineteen twenty-one. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Sometimes when you make all the plans in the world, they just, they just don't go the way that you planned them. They go a different way. So my question today is, what do you do when God changes your plans? Because your plans have been changed, they will be changed. What do you do when God changes your plans? When God changes your plans, I want to leave with you three things for you to remember. The first thing I want you to remember is that when God changes your plans, He's trying to get your attention. He wants your attention. One of the things I work with our, the children uh, in the middle school that I work with is a lot of these kids, they, they've, they, they're, not, they're, not, they're not good at listening. They, they, they've got so much on their mind, so much they're dealing with, so much they're thinking about that they have a hard time really listening to you. So we do a thing where we sit in a circle and, and I say, okay, the, the rules of this, you only talk when you have the talking piece in your hand. And you listen from your heart, you speak from your heart, and you keep it short. And so when they get the talking piece, they are to say something from their heart, whatever it is that I may be asking them to share about. Share it from your heart. And when everybody else is to be listening from their heart. And it's very hard. It's hard. We we have a hard time with really listening. I would say right now, if I could... If all your thoughts that are going on in your head right now were out there where we could see them, there'd be thoughts going all, all different places. You'd be thinking about what you're going to do. You're, you'll be thinking about, if, you know, you might, what am I going to say you know, to this person or that person? You know, you're thinking about all kinds of other things and not really fully paying attention to what's being said right here. It's hard for us to do that. We, you have to discipline your mind to do that. And so I work with the kids, teaching them how to really listen And then also, because they know that people are going to really listen to them when they're sharing from their heart, it it really helps because they realize that they're going to listen to me right now. And it helps the rest of the day. It's amazing how much better their day goes because they've been able to be heard, because they were able to share, they've been able to be heard, and they've also heard others. And it's made a huge difference. We're not good at listening, especially when it comes to listening to God. In fact, most of us are pretty poor listeners, if we would 
be honest and admit it. Instead of listening to God, we're, we're talking all the time. Or when we're not talking, we're listening to the radio or we're listening to the television or we're texting or we're reading or sending emails or something else. We're so busy that God can't get through often. I mean, how often do you sit down and just say, God, is there anything you want to say to me right now? The Bible says in Psalm 81, verse 13, I wish my people would listen to me. See, I think when, when it comes to listening, most of us have spiritual ADD. You know, we have an attention deficit disorder. Our, our minds go in different places when it comes to listening. Uh, why does God want us to listen to Him? Why does He want us to listen to Him? It's to save us from a lot of problems. If we would listen, it would save us from a lot of problems. He has a perspective on life that is way different than ours. The Bible says there is a path before each person that seems right, but it's in, but it ends in death. It's saying that there, when we look at things from our perspective, this seems like the right thing to do. But it ends in death. He's saying a lot, of the, a lot of the decisions that you and I make end up being dead ends. Have you ever had a dead end? Have you ever made a decision that you thought was going to go a certain It's like, oh, I guess that didn't really go like I planned, the, the dead end there. Have you ever made a decision that you thought it was the right decision and it turned out not being the right decision? I wonder, you know, was it, was, it, was, it not, was I not really hearing God? Was I not tuned in? Was I not listening to God? So often we make these decisions and we think, ah, this is the right decision, and it ends up a disaster. And the reason it ends up a disaster is that we have a limited perspective. We can't see the big picture the way God sees it. God sees everything that's going to happen in your life in 2016. He sees it all right now. Because He's not limited by space. He's not limited by time. He, he doesn't have to uh, abide by the 24-hour planet that circles the sun. He's not limited to 24-hour days. God already knows everything that's going to go on in your life in 2016. He has that perspective. Who of us has that perspective? None of us. We don't even know what's really going to happen when we walk out of this building today. I drive up and down the canyon from Lake Isabella every week. Every Sunday, my wife and I drive down here. And often during the week, we're making runs down here. Right now, that canyon's a pretty uh, scary place to be going up and down. Uh, the other day, we got through in the morning right before... Uh, well, there were rocks coming down as we are going through, but it got to a point where they had to shut the thing down for two days uh, because of all the boulders that came down. We got through it, and we had to go up around a, a different route to get back into Lake Isabella in the evening. My uh, son-in-law is a helicopter pilot, and uh, um, doesn't own a helicopter. We hope one day he'll be able to have a helicopter, but I'd like when he gets his own helicopter... I want him, if we're still driving up down that canyon, I want him to go up in the helicopter, come flying, and then he, he could see and say, you know, when I'm driving along and I get some, uh, 
person that's driving really slow, that's keeping me from going the speed I know I can go around those curves, uh, but I can't pass them because I don't really see if there's another car or a big semi coming that way, so I have to wait. But he's up there. He could say, Brian, you're good to go. Mile, you got a clear mile. Go, go for it. And I zip around him and head on there. Now, that's perspective. That's seeing things that I can't see, and it would make a world of difference in my driving if I could see that. Now, some people are crazy enough to just do it, even though they don't have the perspective, and, and they end up causing big problems. Uh, and it's definitely dead ends often. Rare, uh, I guess occasionally it works, but most of the time, not good things happen. But that's perspective. God sees everything that's going to happen. He has, he has a perspective that we, we don't have. My, uh, when my children were growing up, and we were, you know, I had a wood-burning stove. I'd say, don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. Uh, I know the stove looks cool. Looks like it might be fun to touch, but don't touch the stove. Um, because I had a perspective about that stove that they didn't have yet. Um, so uh, I would say, don't touch the stove. I wasn't saying it because I wanted to hurt them. I wouldn't say, don't touch the stove because I wanted to keep something good from them. I didn't say, don't touch the stove because I hate them. I was saying, don't touch the stove because I love them and I didn't want them to be hurt. In the Bible, God's Word says... When there's something that you need to do, uh, and in his words, here's some things you need to do, and, and, and here's some things you need to not do, uh, stuff you shouldn't do. Oftentimes, we think we know better than God. We think, I know what's going to make me happy more than God does. He said, God says not to do this, but this is going to make me happy. This is going to give me something that will really make me happy, so I'm going to go for it anyway. So we ignore God. I know God says don't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. God, He's saying that to me. Not because he hates me, not because he wants to keep something good from me. He's saying it to me because he doesn't want me to get burned. He doesn't want me to get hurt. You can be certain that everything that God does in your life, he does it for your goodness. He does it at all out of love. He does it to protect you. As a loving parent, as a heavenly father, he's saying, I don't want you to get burned. I don't want you to have a broken heart. I don't want you to have a broken body. I don't want you to have a broken marriage. I don't want you to have broken relationships. I don't want you to have broken dreams. So I'm going to give you a perspective if you'll listen to me and do what I say. If we don't listen, we're going to have heartache, pain, problems, 
that we never would have expected to come our way. When God changes your plan, plans, not only does He want you to pay attention to Him, but He's got a better plan for you. He said, your plan's not that good. I've got a better plan for you. His plan is better than yours. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, I know what I'm planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you, and I will give you hope and a future. As you and I go into 2016, we don't know what's going to happen to us. But God says, I have plans for you. And they're good plans, and they're plans for hope, and they're plans for a future. But He's not going to force His plans on you. He's not going to force His plans on me. He gives us the choice. You and I have the choice of whether we're going to follow His plans or not. You can keep on going on with your little plan and get into all the problems and difficulties and the stress and all the things that happen when you try to get your own way. But God says, I have a better plan. What do do we know about God's plan when He says, I'm going to change your plan? You can be sure, when He says, I'm going to change your plan, you can be sure whatever that plan is, it's going to be a better plan. It's going to be a bigger plan than you ever even imagined. It's going to be a more rewarding plan than you ever imagined. If you go with your plan instead of God's plan for your life, you're going to limit your life. It's going to be less. You have no idea what God wants to do with your life. He's got big plans for you. In fact, we can't even really imagine all that He has planned for us. We can't even fathom it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No one has ever seen or heard or even imagined what wonderful things God has prepared for those who love Him. Can't even imagine. So it's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It's going to be more rewarding. And, oh yeah, it may be more painful. It may be more difficult. I don't want to kid you about that. Sometimes when you're going with God's plan, it can seem more confusing. See, why? Why, God? Why this? There's a lot of things over the last six years of my life that I've, I've just like, why? I don't understand why. It's confusing to me. I don't understand how it works. But as I continue to stay committed, saying, God, I, I, want, I want your plan, I know he's working out and he's done some incredible things that I couldn't have even imagined. I could not have imagined being moved from the place I was into a setting now that I am having a greater influence on more people in a greater setting and frankly getting paid more money than I ever did before to, you know, to pastor. It's just in a different way. It was never part of my ideas, my thoughts, but God had a plan. It's been difficult. It's been painful. But it's well worth it. There are some things happening in your life right now that you might be saying, why God? Why? Why this? How come this isn't working out? And God would say, you're not going to understand right now. In fact, John 13, 7 says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but you will understand later. See, when when your plans fall through and God changes your plans... You need to remember, he's trying to get your attention. 
And the reason he wants your attention is because he's got a bigger, better, more rewarding, and maybe more difficult plan for your life. You look at Joseph and Mary's, you know, what their plan was, and then what God said, no, this is what's going to happen. That wasn't easy for them. What they had to go through from that point forward was very difficult. But it brought a Savior to our world. The third thing I want you to remember is that when He changes your plans, He's wanting wanting to say to you, He's wanting you to learn to trust Him. To just trust Him. The Bible says there's only one way to please God. If you don't get anything else that I'm saying this morning, I want you to get this. I want you to listen as if your life depends on on it because it really does. How do you please God? How do you get into heaven? See, you can't be good enough to get into heaven. You're not. None of us are good enough. You can't be perfect. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not perfect And then you have to add to that, neither am I. So how do you please God? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek seek for me with all your heart. The first thing you have to do is you have to seek God. You have to say, God, I want to know your plan. I'm seeking you. The Bible says it's it's only through faith that you can please God. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how do you please God? Not by religion, not by relationships, not by ritual, not by rules, not by regulations, but simply by seeking God in faith. The Bible tells us if we come to Him in faith, if we come to Him in faith, that pleases God. That makes Him happy. Just like a father's happy when his children trust him. Just like a mother's happy when, when her children trust her. So what do you do when your plans fall through? I'm saying seek God. Seek God. The Bible says that if you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. But he gives joy to those who earnestly seek him. So the second thing you do when you have a problem is that you you trust God. You trust Him. You trust that He knows what He's doing. He's wise. He's loving. He cares for you. And He's going to see you through whatever situation you face. I trust God because I know, even though from my perspective, this doesn't seem so good. But I know God's got a perspective and, and and I trust Him that His plan is better for me. He's going to get me through this. And one day I'm going to see, maybe on this side of glory, maybe not. Maybe I won't see it till heaven. But I, I believe and trust that he's got a good plan for me, and I'm sticking with him. He knows what he's doing. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, We know that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love God and called according to his purpose for them. It says, we know, we know God causes everything to work together for the good. It doesn't say God causes everything. God doesn't cause everything. It doesn't say God causes everything good. It says that God causes everything to work for good. 
Not everything that happens in your life is good. And I, I depend heavily on this verse because what that tells me is that I've done some stupid stuff. I've made some bad mistakes. And because I'm saying, God, I want your plan. I want to be called according to your purpose. I love you. I seek you. He can take even the stupid things I've done. He can take the stupid things that other people have done that affect me. He can take the brokenness of the world. And somehow he takes it and he works it all out for good, to bring good about in my life. That's someone to trust that has that kind of power and ability. Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust myself? I can't do that stuff. Everything I've tried to somehow take bad and work it into good, I typically mess it up. Put it in God's hand, He can take it, and He works good out of it. When your plans get changed, you just need to understand it's a test. You're facing a place where your plans are being changed. Know that it's a test. God's testing you. What's the test? Are you going to trust Him or not? That's the test. The truth is, you don't know what 2016 holds. Nobody knows the future. Nobody could have predicted all the stuff that happened this year. But we do know for certain, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We know that. Can you say that? We know that. God's going to change your plans next year. We know that. We know that. That God will always be with you no matter what you go through. That cooperating with God and His plan is the only way to really live. Any other way of living is a dead-end street. That's why God sent Jesus to be our Savior. Not to just save us from our sin, but to save us from the effects of sin. What are the effects of sin? Failure, fatigue, frustration, fear, doubt, anger, resentment, bitterness, worry, guilt, shame. All the different emotions that come from going, um, from not going with God's plan in your life. The Bible in Psalm 138.8, I'd like to ask the worship team to come forward, says, The Lord will work out His plans for my life, for His faithful love endures forever. God says, I have a plan, and I'll work it out for you. You hear that? He has a plan, and He'll work it out for you. Just trust Him with that. Who does He want you to trust? He wants you to trust Jesus, the Savior. He wants you to trust Him. Luke 2.11 says, Today a Savior has been born for you. It's what we've been celebrating all this month. You and I need a Savior to save us from ourselves. We need a Savior to save us for a purpose, to have purpose in our life. We need a Savior to save us for eternity. We need a Savior to forgive us of all our sins. We need a Savior to help us figure out what the right path is. We need a Savior in a hundred different ways. 
we've all come here for various reasons. But regardless of why you think you came here, I want you to know it's not by accident that you're here. You're here because God wanted you to be a part of this service today, hearing this message with these people. God knew you would be here today, and He wants, he wants you to hear this. I want you to hear, I want you to listen carefully. In fact, would you bow your heads, close your eyes as I say this to you, because I want you to hear this from God this morning. God would be saying to you right now, you matter to me. You matter to me. I love you. And I have a plan for your life. You matter to me. I love you. And I have a plan for your life. It's a better plan. It's a more fulfilling plan. It's an eternal plan. Will you put your trust and faith in me today? God is a wondrous God. He's great. He wants you to put your trust in Him. Would you stand with me today as the worship team concludes with a song? And as you're singing it, let it be a declaration in your heart that you're putting your trust in Him today. Whether it be for your first time today, or whether it's something that you're just today on a certain plan that's going on in your life, plans of change, you've been struggling with them, that you're saying, God, I'm going to put my trust in you today for working out these plans.